Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast on the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser, and on this episode, I'm joined by Alex Rose. He is a film critic and film podcaster here in Montreal, who has also spent the entire pandemic documenting and sharing his entire record collection. Uh, I was seeing it every day in my feed, and I knew I had to talk to him about it. I hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. Well, Alex Rose, welcome to the show. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, You know, we know each other from the world, the wonderful world of film criticism. um, Yes. Because (laughs) uh, you, um, I think, had literally just started as a reviewer at the Montreal Mirror when it folded. Yeah, uh, the day that it folded was the day that I was going to go see the first movie that I was going to do a full review for. Because prior to that, I had only been doing the blurbs. Oh, yeah, you did a few the, blurbs. Uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And so then I was going to go see it was what I think it was the first Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. Right. Um, that day I was supposed to go and then they, they shit canned it. And so subsequent to that uh you d- you ended up uh succeeding me as the screen section editor of cult of montreal which you are yeah, to this very day exactly and you and i actually like back before podcasts were cool mm-hmm. i was a guest on your now dormant podcast uh, why does it exist yeah it's absolutely dead i think i think dormant is uh is very uh Generous. <laughs> I think it's been it's been pretty dead for a while. It's but been yeah, put yeah. Out, it's been taken off uh, life support. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. For absolutely, it's still up. Uh, as far as I can, you can go to wiseitexists.com and listen to them. But um, I'm not sure how how well it has aged either. Like it's probably full of like extremely timely 2012 jokes. But yeah, so I, I had a podcast um, in the early 2010s and. It was very unpopular and it was i had to explain to everyone on earth what a podcast was at that time which is no longer the case um nope nope but I was, well you can call yourself a podcast hipster <laughs> i guess so i guess so doesn't matter you know it's not like a velvet underground type of thing where everyone who heard it started a podcast i don't think i think everyone who heard it just kept living their lives so you know <laughs> well <laughs> i mean you, you know i think that uh I was inspired by it, and I hit you up for a few tech questions when I was mm-hmm. starting this podcast, uh, which of course I appreciate. But um, that's that's not why I have I'm having you. None of those things are the reason for having you on the show. Uh, rather, um, I was quite curious about this project that you've been doing uh, as mm-hmm. a, a record collection chronicler. Yeah, uh, because you've like during the last year and a half uh you've been basically like instagramming the experience of listening to your entire record collection that's right yeah that's i couldn't describe it any better than that uh, <laughs> well so what it is is basically so i lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic and then i went through a breakup so you know i had all the time in the world in front of me and, and i started with this idea that you know often people say well you have too many records like how would you ever listen to all of them and my argument's always well i listen to these records all the time but then when you when you you know sit down and think about it i don't listen to all my records all the time i have them on hand and if i want to listen to them but 
Um, and then I saw uh, someone that I follow on Instagram, uh, Jackie Blencarn from the band Pale Lips. Around the same time, she was like, oh, I'm listening to all my records in alphabetical order. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that as well. And I think she gave up pretty fast. I don't remember her seeing her do it for, you know, she's definitely not, uh, she definitely didn't finish the whole thing, I think. But um, that inspired me. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna, I am going to listen to them in alphabetical order and well, or in the order that they're filed, because I do have them sort of by genre. Uh-huh. Um, they're not just in alphabetical order. And so going through, you know, the sort of geographical placement of the genres, uh, I, I set up, you know, like an order. And then I just went down to it and I started listening to every single record in order. Um, and I think there's, I think there are 17 sections or 18 sections really? in all. Um, and now I'm, I'm down to four. So now I'm, it's, it's kind of weird because in the same day, I can listen to like three records from the same artist because there's right. so few sections left. But at the beginning, it was it was quite an ordeal because I don't think I've ever done more than 15 records in one day, which is a lot, you know, like if that that, is a lot. that's like starting, you know, in the morning and, you know, playing music until you go to bed, essentially. And it, it, it complicates things if you hit a double record or any kind of compilation <laughs> and things like that, which suddenly becomes a, you know, a lot denser to get through. But yeah, so it's essentially not every day, you know, there are days where I take breaks, but essentially every day since i believe march 17th um i've been listening to my record collection yeah um so okay there's so much there i don't know where to begin (laughs) (laughs) um so uh, yeah like you don't you're not going through like for example the whole rock and roll section and then the whole jazz section you're kind of doing the sections concurrently exactly or like um, alternately, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like there's like a an order that every sort of batch started by, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I would go through the, the stacks and go like, okay, so one from folk and one from jazz and one from you know or whatever, one from punk, and and then put them in order, and that was always the order. So that way, because okay. at the beginning, I was afraid of like, oh, you know, if I hit like a, a, an artist that I have a lot of, like Neil Young, for example, then it's like, I'm going to get so sick of like, I don't want to listen to the entire discography in the same day or over two days or whatever. I think that that's like a weird exercise. I think it's a great way to get get sick of things that I previously liked. So, yeah, you know, alternating them and sort of like shuffling them a little bit, like gave me some breathing room too. So that's another interesting thing about it is that you know you are going through the discography or whatever you have of of an artist but without compressing it too much you know so like once a day for you know coltrane or whatever is nice but like an unbroken block of yeah well yeah depending on your taste i guess yeah well it's Um, also it's all and it's also this idea of like rediscovering these records right so by forcing myself to listen to the same thing over and over again, that there's, I, I feel less discovery possible there maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by the fact that you said you had 18 sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to name them all, but that, that seems like a lot to me. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you like really subdividing like into subgenres? Sort of. It depends on the, uh, it depends on the because it's it's personal right so it's like i don't have a the sections are not 
uh, designed for the, it's not like a record store. They're not designed for someone else's use. <laughs> so for example, like I have two separate jazz sections and one of them is sort of like traditional jazz and the other one is like what I would call electric jazz, but like not, not, yeah, like fusion or jazz rock or even like sort of, you know, like 60s records where there's a guy playing a Hammond organ type of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would put that in there where they're doing like, you know, pop covers and things like that, things that are more like pop, whereas like free jazz, where every, all generally speaking, all of the instruments would be acoustic, would still go in their traditional jazz. So that's like, for me, it's just the way I think about the music. Yeah. And so it makes it easier for me to find what I'm looking for in those sections. But I, I contend that like, and it's a thing that I argue with friends about all the time, because they come over and they're like, why is this in this section? And, and well, that was before, before the pandemic, but, um, why is this in this section? And then you have to like kind of justify why you put something there. And often, you know, I'll make a choice for filing one day and then the next day it'll be like, uh, why did I put that, this in here? Like, this makes no sense to be in this section. You Can know, you like, think of an example? Yeah, well, there was one that happened just recently. Um, I don't know if you know, like uh, the band Y Pants. I don't. They're like sort of like a no wave sort of like you know like uh downtown new york early 80s band like very kind of dissonant uh female fronted sort of but i wouldn't say that it's punk because there's, a, there's essentially no distortion on the record okay. it's, it's all kind of like um a bit like child like you know like in the same vein as like someone like the raincoats or the slits would be you know kind of a, a little ramshackle but it's all uh -huh. acoustic and so i put it in punk and then i listened to it this week and i was like this is no business being here i don't know where it goes but you know like why is this in the section where i put the ramones or, or you know whatever any you know hey UK punk is an attitude man <laughs> yeah well that's the thing too that's the other that's the other argument you can get into you know or with certain artists within their career they'll go over several genres and then what do you do so that's a decision well, yeah. you have to make for yourself. That's a for decision sure. that, that I make. And then I often go back on and sort of um, negate by moving things around in sections. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like uh, you're going to get in trouble, although it sounds like you have a couple of times. <laughs> well, it does. I do have to justify myself a little bit. And it's, you know, it, right now, now I live alone, so it's not so difficult. Like no one has to find their way through the records. But when people have had to find their way through, they've not necessarily agreed with my filing. And that's okay, uh, you know. That's something that, that is uh, that, that I have to live with. And I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I almost feel ashamed, like, of my own slapdash categorization. Um, <laughs> because, like, I mean, I have, I mean, I have a whole section that I'm, like, not even sure what it is or... And then that's apart from the section that's just for unclassifiable weirdos. Right. Like I have, a, if I can't figure out where it goes, it goes in that section. Yeah. But then there's also like a section for, like I have a section for soft rock mm -hmm. uh, and, and like orchestral pop. But right. then like my like Fleetwood Mac and like Paul McCartney records aren't in that section. They're in like right. a different section for like 70s songwriters or something right, it's like right, right. it's it's kind of like the the weird flip side or yin and yang to the unclassifiable weirdos it's like super mainstream super soft singer songwritery mm -hmm. kind of music 
but that's not a catchy genre name uh, whatsoever yeah well that's that's the thing one of my friends made like sort of like little dividers for his <laughs> section based on yeah. sort of like our constant arguing and um but i'm like i could not commit to a section like with a definition of a section like for example i have like i think the the biggest section that i have is sort of like 80s alternative but that encompasses so much stuff that at some point i was like why why is like synthy new wave in here if you know husker do is also in here like so uh -huh. and sometimes yeah. it's it's just by by virtue of i don't have enough records to make a section so they have to go somewhere else you know for for this particular um you know like a particular subgenre maybe i'll have like eight records and it's like if i make a section because overall i have like over three thousand records and so okay. If I have an eight record section, I'm going to lose it. I don't know. I won't know where it is. So there's no <laughs> point in making such small sections, you know, like micro sections. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I kind of go partly by decades. Like I sort of have like the 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 pre-punk and proto-punk and then early punk section. Mm -hmm. And then I have like an 80s new wave and synth pop collection. Which, and those I keep them side by side so that like certain records might right. float float between the two. Mm -hmm. And then I have a '90s, '90s and beyond, which also kind of eventually segues into the friends and family section. <laughs> right. <laughs> because for quite a while, the only records that I got were from people I know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, okay. So let's go back a bit. Like, when did you start collecting records? Um, I want to say 2007. And the story is, it's a very like simple story, is I went to see my friend Andrew live in Ottawa, and I went to visit him, um, and um, I kind of, I was alone, you know, he was at work, so I was just like walking around, and I went to like a bunch of record stores, um, and I saw that sort of new records for bands that I liked, and at this time I was listening to a lot of like kind of... Um, like punk rock like not necessarily like warp tour bands but more like pizza fest bands <laughs> i would say okay. you know but like the, those kind you know like kind of florida like not quite skate punk type of things but i would see those records in uh record stores and they were cheaper than cds so the cd would be like 15 this is in like 2006 or 2007 okay. the cds would be like 15 dollars, and then the records would be like 11 dollars. and i was like wow, these that's, are a, much that's a golden cooler. era yeah well, and it's also, it used to be so cheap for, like, punk records, too, used to be essentially, like, no markup. Like, I think you would, you could get, like, records for eight bucks, stuff like that, you know, but, um, and so I thought, well, but these are much are, are ideologically opposed to making money, so. Yeah, well, they used to be, but now that, there used to be this concept of selling out and at that time, now not so much, but um, there's no more money to, to obtain by selling out. Um but yeah, so, so just by that idea, I was like, wow, okay, like, I think that I could probably, you know, make this work because it's much cheaper than I thought. And at the time I would buy, like, I was, I would go to Cheap Thrills, you know, here in Montreal, and I would never look at the records. I would just look at, like, the books and the DVDs and stuff and the CDs and stuff. And then I was like, you know, I've been ignoring these things this whole time and, and maybe... Um, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and so for, for a long time, you know, I only had like a small stack of, of records and they were all sort of like from bands I would see at shows or whatever, you know, like they were not like, 
I was not hunting them down or, or collecting collector stuff or even I had a very limited palette at that time. I think I was I listened to more or less the same kind of stuff. And okay. but that's what led me to explore more genres was record collecting and going to record stores. Because you go to record stores and you look into the sections of the bands that you want, you know, that you already listen to. Sure. And you're like, well, okay, they don't have this and there's a whole other store, you know. So I would see artists, stuff that I would have heard the name of, never listened to. Or someone would have talked to me about it and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should, like, the, the, in a way, this was, you know, pre-Spotify and pre-YouTube by by just a couple of years. But it was the same kind of thing where I felt like I had so much more music at my fingertips when I was in a record store than when I wasn't. <laughs> so that's, that's basically how, well, that's basically how it started. And once you, once I got into that, then it's like, I've never been able to extricate myself out of it. Even like at my brokest, like no work, no whatsoever. I still have to go to the record store and I still have to once in a while pick something up, you know, just because I feel like it's, you know, like it, the, the hobby is more than just like a collecting stuff you know <laughs> i think it's about discovering too like uh, and that's a for me i find it much easier to discover something by going to a record store than it is by like just like aimlessly trolling through trawling through uh, spotify or youtube or whatever i feel like there's too much going on there oh sure but i mean you know you know you can also just sit back and let them do the recommendation for yeah, you yeah that's true yeah that's interesting um you make it sound a little bit almost like uh, you know, I don't want to say an addiction, but like a slightly, you know, uh, what's the what's the polite way of saying that? Like a dependent relationship? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it was uh, much worse before the pandemic. Um, for a variety of reasons, like I had uh, disposable income and sort of um, a desire to get out of the house i guess um more often you know yeah. well because i could because <laughs> it was possible back then so you know i think that it's, it's something it's you're always wondering and so and that's kind of why i don't hang out in like uh you know like vinyl collector circles on facebook and things like that because you're always wondering what you might have missed you know you mm. see some guy like for some guy who you kind of know from a convention or whatever so I'm like, look at what I found at this thrift store for a dollar. And you were like, it's there four hours ago. And they put, they must have put it out since then. You know, right. so that constant, uh, like, uh, FOMO, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like a competitive FOMO, like, I think is, I'm, I'm kind of rid of it now, which I really like. Um, partially because now, because the pandemic, like, record stores had to make money during the pandemic and everyone was buying online. So everyone jacked up the prices like crazy on used stuff. And so now used stuff is like, you'll never find a deal. Or I, at least I haven't since the, the return of, to like the, the deconfined uh, new world. It's, it's all like marked up like crazy. So it's, uh, that's why I find about like over time, I've, I've been more drawn to buying records from overseas simply because I can't find those here. And, you know, in some countries, like namely like in some parts of Europe and in Japan, it's cheaper to get a record ship from Tokyo than it is from Toronto. So no kidding. Yeah. So it, I, pre I prefer like kind of like hunting in those grounds, even though it's not in person, you know, like the pandemic kind of switched that idea. Yeah, for sure. So um, what have you 
found out listening to your entire record collection because as we uh i mean just to interrupt myself uh, mm-hmm. as we uh we were talking about before we started rolling yeah. you're almost finished and i think yeah when i noticed you were getting into the w's on the instagram account i was like yeah. okay could be time <laughs> to check in and like <laughs> get right. some retrospective on this uh on this project yeah um well, yeah, what have I noticed? So, so you know, it's always in, in uh, my record collection has always been like sort of like in flux, you know, mm-hmm. there's things that come in and they don't stay necessarily, you know, I'll buy a record because I know it's cheaper than it usually is. And I don't know what it is. And so I, I'll buy it and then I'll go like, ah, this is not for me. And I'll sell it, you know, and then use that money to purchase more records. Um, thereby, you know, never, it's a never ending thing. Um, but one thing that I did notice sitting down and listening to to them, um, you know, more, more intensely, is that it's despite the fact that there are three thousand records, like it's it's pretty curated now at this point, and there's not that much that I wanted to get rid of. I did get rid of a few things, you know, like but uh, percentage-wise, it's like negligible. To, you know, like I probably got rid of like thirty records out of three thousand. Okay. Um, what, did you notice any theme in the stuff that you decided to get rid of? Yes, it's all stuff that I got on, or mostly stuff that I would have gotten on eBay, sort of because I wanted to get something else and cut down on the shipping prices, you know? So, so like, I would just, like, kind of, like, bid aimlessly on all these things so that I would go, like, okay, well, I got this record under market price, but because I paired it up with two other things, then, you know, like, it's instead of $18 for one record, it's $18 for three records shipping. And so, you know, like this weird, like wonky math that you do to kind of justify more records entering your apartment. So Um, it wasn't, it's not a genre based at all. It's just purely. Not at all. No, no. And I find it very, you know, like sometimes, yeah, there's some things like sort of, uh, say like reggae, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. I had sort of a lot of reggae records that I picked up a long time ago because I couldn't find the reggae records that I really wanted. And so I was like, this is close enough. And then I would re-listen to them and go like, well, now I have, you know, Dread in a Babylon by Uroy. I don't need this other crap anymore, you know? So there's a little bit of that. Like there's a little bit of, especially early on, you know, like in my collecting career, if you want to call it that, I would buy, like, you know, you would go to the record store looking for uh, the first Ramones record, and they don't have it, but they have Brain Drain. So you're like, all right, well, in in the meantime, I'll have Brain Drain. And then at some point, you're like, why do I have Brain Drain? Like, in what, do I need this? I never listened to it because I just wanted a Ramones record, and, you know, now that's what I have. Um, Which, incidentally, Brain Drain is now super rare. I bought it from, like, a garage sale, (laughs) and Uh I probably sold it for, like, 10 bucks. A while back and now like i was at a store the other day and they were like oh my god like i heard this got a like a line on a brain drain like this guy might sell me brain drain for a hundred bucks like, are you serious like whoa because it is like it sucks but <laughs> if you're a I, I don't know i don't know you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna just like you know respectfully agree to disagree with you there i, okay. I you know i haven't listened to it for a very very long time and i have it on cassette which i'm sure mm-hmm. is worth nothing but um you know, it's produced by Bill Laswell. It's got a, uh, it's got a couple of jams on it. No, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the, uh, what the lineup. Like, I, honestly, I used that as a, as a kind of like an example that I pulled out of my ass. But yeah, I mean, it has well, Pet Cemetery on it, which is yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind <laughs> of like it's in the Ramones novelty song right. kind of category. I mean, yeah. okay, now that I think of it, like, are there any Stone Cold classics on it? No. Yeah. But it's like the last album with Dee Dee. I, I don't know. You know, I have a friend who says he likes the later Ramones more than the early Ramones, which I thought was, mm-hmm. I was very shocked when he said that. But I yeah. don't know if, uh, <laughs> if that's a commonly held point of view or not. I to mean, me, it was pretty much like a steep downhill after yeah. that. And actually, you know, if I'm being really real, most of the 80s stuff is pretty terrible too. But yeah. uh, anyway, I could like, this could be like a Ramones podcast <laughs> and I don't want to, Right. I don't want to necessarily go there, yeah. but uh, but that's uh, interesting to know that it's really rare on vinyl. But you just you just never know. Like you you must have a much better idea of the 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 market mm-hmm. for records uh, than I do because I really you know if I ever collected per se I I definitely don't anymore. Um, right. But I do remember that my, a friend of mine got me um, a Klaus Kinski spoken word record for a okay. dollar. Wow. Um, and then I saw it at C- CD Esoteric, RIP, on St. Yeah. Catherine. Okay, and, yeah. and the guy was selling it for a hundred bucks. And I was wow. like, I said, that's worth a hundred bucks? And he was like, oh, I don't know. That's what I put on it. We'll see. <laughs> he was just kind of like putting a price on a record to see if anyone would, would buy yeah. it. Which was kind of like weirdly like mercenary but also uh just so random you know yeah well that used to be something that you could pull off uh much easier at the time but now that uh, you know there's a a record on the internet of what anyone who's ever bought a record paid for it it's pretty easy but that 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 also causes like like i don't know like a sort of fake inflation in that if if and that's something that okay so i'll give an example in Japan, they love singer-songwriters. They love like folk rock and sort of like soft, soft folk rock. Mm-hmm. And they love Daniel Lanois. Yeah. Um, and so w- one time I found this record by this like kind of folky, like uh, Hamilton. I guess Daniel Lanois was based in Hamilton. Like this Hamilton folky like guy with a mustache and, and like a scally cap. And just like it was really boring music. Um, but I noticed that there was none for sale online anywhere. And Daniel Lanois had worked on it. So you know what i'm gonna put this up for you know 50 bucks or whatever and it immediately vapor like the, a guy in japan immediately jumped on it and that was 50 bucks so that what happens is now everyone who has a copy of this record that they were never able to sell before all puts it up for 100 because they go like oh this one sold for 50 so i could probably get more since i'm the only one there and now they're all sitting there they're gathering dust at 100 bucks you know wow. and, they, and they, i guess it's worth the gamble of like maybe i'll never sell this but if i sell it it'll be for a hundred bucks. So that creates like a very inflated market of like garbage that no one really, or that has like a very, very limited appeal. Yeah. Um, and that sucks. That's a thing that definitely sucks about the internet. But then again, with the internet, um, you know, it's so much easier to get, you know, things from elsewhere for a very like decent price because you realize that something that sounds great, but it was, who was the sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, the Donovan of Japan or whatever. He sold a ton of records, so it's easy to get it, you know. And so that part is good, but I think generally the overestimating uh, of what things are worth is a net negative for, oh, for collecting sure. records. You know? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a strange uh, paradox because it's like on one hand, there's, you know, if you're not an audiophile, which most people aren't, or mm -hmm. or or a, or a record collector, which most people aren't, there isn't really a reason that you can uh, really defend to listen to records as opposed to listening to Spotify, mm -hmm. uh, you know, unless it's to support the artist or because you prefer the way it sounds. I mean, those are really the only reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. But paradoxically, this thing that like could be worthless takes on this weird value as a collector's item. Yeah, yeah. And it's a thing. So, you know, like at some point, the, the concept of the private press record really blew up just because people found all these like kind of like weird dusted like singer songwriter records or just like acid casualty kind of things that these guys would press up 300 of and, and sort of vanish into thin air and there are some legitimately great things in that vein you know but not everything that some guy just made in his basement is has that value you know and so it's now true, there's true. like a premium put on anything that is kind of like obscure but and sometimes things are obscure for a variety of reasons sometimes they're obscure because they're bad and they don't know yeah, wanted them in the first place you know so yeah yeah well of course yeah i remember here hearing this great or reading this great quote from uh, robert pollard from guided by voices where he said yeah people are always coming up to me and saying they're inspired by me because they've been making music in their basement for years too and i don't know what to tell them it doesn't mean it's any good <laughs> right <laughs> um by the way, going back a little bit, did you know that Danielle Lanois produced the first Raffi album? Oh, yeah, I owned it. I have, I've had, I had it like for a while. That his he has first two records are not for children, right? Like, and he he does like a Towns Van Zandt cover on the first one. Oh, uh, I, oh, but he, but, um, I didn't actually know about that. Uh, okay. But I, but he, but Danielle and Bob Lanois did the first Raffi kids record. Oh, two. I see. Okay, okay. Anyway. Right. I have that, but it's all scratched up. All, I have a bunch of like classic uh, 70s and 80s kids records, but they're all scratched right. up. Because my brother yeah. and I just didn't know how to like, handle them because we <laughs> yeah. were little kids. And the Anne yeah. Murray, you know, 80s synth uh, pop kids <laughs> records, <laughs> not in good shape. Yeah. No, no the first Raffi record, I, I, I sold it, I think, just because it was like I had enough bearded singer songwriter records, but. It's actually not bad. The bearded even, section had gotten, yeah, it's getting I, too big. It's a, quite a, a large section, the bearded section. The brown, or what I call it, like in the, in French, like set up at blues, you know, like like shoeless, like sort of um, overall wearing folk music, <laughs> you know, like, like kind of like reefer smoking, like uh, return to earth type of thing from Northern Ontario or whatever. So what did you, what g going back to an earlier question, like, Mm -hmm. What did you find about your own tastes when you were listening to the to your whole collection? Mm. Um, I think that for a while I was not necessarily like into like obscure things, but I, I was into like not listening to the same music over and over again. Because I think that's another reason why I uh, expanded my taste so radically like in the last you know decade or whatever, is I started working in an office at some point and I was listening to music like I it was a job where I didn't need to talk to anyone. I was just in an office, so mm -hmm. I was listening to like eight hours of music a day. And at that time, I didn't. I had like a very limited palette, 
And so at some point I was like, I'm so sick of listening to this music that I supposedly love. Like, I don't want to hear it anymore. So I started exploring in that sense. And so I think re-listening to all my records, what I found was like, oh, you know, the things that I used to like and that I don't really put on anymore because I had overplayed them, still really like them. I still yeah. think they're really good. And, and it's like, it was great to take a little break and come back to them. And, and you know, even putting them up, uh, for example, like we we're going to talk about the Ramones again, but like I listened to on the same day, the first and second Ramones record. And you're like, I, I don't think I realized how primitive the production was on the first Ramones record until I like really sat down and listened to it in, like this year. Yeah. And then well, heard the, the other one right after. And I was like, oh my God, like this first thing doesn't even sound like, barely sounds like music. It's so primitive. It's, like, it's great. But yeah, I, you know, and that's a thing that I maybe because the songs are so catchy and I'm so used to hearing them over like tinny, like earphones. I hadn't necessarily made that leap um, because yeah. you know them, you know what's coming up, you 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 know you know all those songs, so you you don't really think about it. For sure, and also for me at least, when I listened to them, I was really young, so I didn't right. know anything about production. I mean, I noticed, of course, that the guitar was in one speaker and the bass was, it was right. in another, which is a weird, just such, such a weird decision. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if they ever <laughs> remixed it to. Uh, or if that would even be a good idea, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's primitive. Like it just sounds, it sounds like they just, they just, you know, learned the most basics of how to mm -hmm. play. And, and like his voice is off key. I've yeah. talked about this before, but like, you know, it's, it's just amazing that there, there were these times when major labels would seemingly just release anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the second Ramones record to me is the best one because it still has that primitive energy, but mm -hmm. they just like, it's a little bit more, you know, tight or, or, or just, there's just that m much more production to bring out that pop side. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So what was the music that you over listened to and, uh, and wanted to branch out from? Like I said, like before I used to be really into like bands, like, um, Hot Water Music or the Gaslight Anthem, the St. Catharines, like they, these sort of like, not exactly like weird punk, <laughs> but pretty like straightforward sort of like, you know, three chord sort of melodic punk. That's what I listened to a lot when I, like out of high school, I guess. Um, but then I was also listening to a lot of, uh, you know, Tom Waits and, and Bob Dylan and things like that, you know, like just, just the, the real like uh, starter pack for white boys from the suburbs, um, uh -huh. you know, and so, and so I was kind of sick of that stuff and even just like, you know, classic Wilco or Neil Young or, and all sure. things that I still enjoy, but that I don't necessarily need to listen to constantly. Cause it's also like a lot of that is like very like song based and melody based. And so at, at some point you become very used to it. You know, like mm -hmm. you hear Bruce Springsteen a hundred million times when the next time you hear it, it won't surprise you. And so part, yeah. part of what I got into jazz about was that was the idea that, well, jazz doesn't have any lyrics. And so I don't, I won't have like the lyrics stuck in my head when I hear it and things like that. And so, um, and also yeah. because it didn't have lyrics, it was easier to work with more like when I was doing work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember once like asking some friends if we could listen to jazz when we were playing Scrabble because I wouldn't get distracted by the right. They all thought that yeah. was really weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, I uh, I remember you saying that you 
talking about getting into jazz like almost as a kind of like midlife crisis yeah i may, I may be paraphrasing but well because because it was it's really an easy thing to make fun of i think jazz and yes. i know you come from like i know your brother is a jazz musician and all that and so you know but in my life there is no jazz <laughs> there is no like i had no no inkling for what jazz was and i had no like you know I, my dad my dad listens to so like i guess to preface this like my dad does listen to a lot of music as well um mm -hmm. and there's always been music playing in the house when i was a kid but my dad has like fairly like uh, he listens to like a lot of new music for a guy who's like 66 or 67 or however old he, like you know he'll listen to like the war on drugs or father john misty not exactly like left field picks but you know he's not just stuck on on accept or whatever and like <laughs> other like hair metal you know like some old guys just are on the same there he's not going on youtube going like there's no good music anymore yeah, um yeah. but um and my dad listened to a lot of like soul sort of southern soul like muscle shoals type of uh -huh. stuff yeah i love that stuff yeah it's great but there was never any jazz and so i got into jazz sort of i think by any as with most people just with through miles davis yeah but even you know kind of blue and sketches of Spain and all that and i was kind of like i don't really get like this is not that interesting to me it's a little like sort of like dinner music at that point that's how i sure, felt sure. but then when i heard you know uh bitches brew and especially a tribute to jack johnson where i was like oh okay it could be this as well i prefer this <laughs> and so and so i i kind of moved backwards you know like i not as a purist but as really like like a rockist jazz fan where i was like oh i love when jazz has electric guitar on it and like things like that and and then i worked my way back to the more traditional stuff um but I was weirded out, but and I think I had to do it in this kind of like semi-punk way because I, I don't think I I think the leap was too big for me at the time. I could not have jumped from, you know, whatever I was listening to, uh, you know, like a, a Gaslight Anthem or whatever, and skip directly to kind of blue. I don't think I my mind could have handled it <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, like yeah. it was, it's a lot to wrap your head around, I guess. Um, but also, and then another thing that kind of like bridged the gap was listening, starting listening to crop rock, like to Can and, and Cluster and things like that, where it was okay. kind of like, oh, this is kind of rock, but sometimes it's, it gets very jazzy and improvisational, but also I can still, you know, I can hear as much Miles Davis as I can, like Public Image Limited or whatever in, in a Can song, and that made it, I think, easier for me to wrap my head around jazz after that. Um, That's really interesting. Um... I like the idea of the uh, the musical gateway drug, because mm -hmm. um, uh, like my I know my brother like I wouldn't want to speak for him, but he got into it like as a kid more through like metal because mm -hmm. there were all these metal guys who sort of had one foot in metal and then another foot in like fusion. So it was kind of right. like, I mean, I guess in the end it's all like you know. It, it, the, the through line is more like musical showing off or like yeah absolutely yeah what do you uh what do you like about listening to records as opposed to you know digitally or whatever um well there's it's it's there are many aspects to it i think one of them is is simply like the it's not immediate I have to go and find the record. I have to have that record in my possession and I have to put it on. And I have, so that makes the listening automatically more involved. 
even if if what I'm going to do is just go into the other room and file my taxes or whatever, you know, I don't want to get like too pretend. People can get pretty pretentious about it. I'm no audiophile. Like I, my setup is all right, but it's not. I'm not seeking perfection or whatever. Um, but I do like the deliberate nature of listening to a record. Yeah. That when I put a record on, because this would happen to me often when I was at work, is I would be listening to music and then I would forget what I was listening to. And, you know, and then I would kind of like key back into whatever was happening. And I was like, what is this? I don't, what? But that never happens when I'm listening to a record, you know, because I know I put it on and I know that I saw the cover and I held it and, and so on. And so it, I find it mm, breeds a more active listening. And that's maybe something that I never really did a lot of in my life, you know, like, um, as a teenager, you know, you mentioned metal before my, all my friends were metalheads, mm-hmm. And so they, they would like smoke weed and then turn off all the lights and listen to like Metallica or whatever dream theater. And I, I hated it. Like I hated it. And I did like, I, I, I often associated like a sort of like passiveness to active listening. Like it seemed like it wasn't like a, an activity. It seemed like it was like a way to shut off <laughs> from the world, you know? And so yeah. that's what I kind of liked about what I like about records is I can't just leave it on and turn off the lights and sort of like sit there and zone out. Like I have to kind of listen to it because it'll end eventually. I have to go flip it, mm-hmm. you know? And so that makes it a little more involved. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. You said that you, you hated metal mm-hmm. as, a, as a kid. Have you rediscovered it at all? Have you, have you tried sort to of. give it another? Yeah, a little bit. I still don't really like, I've listened to so much Metallica through osmosis that I don't think I'll ever really get into Metallica. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, for Slayer, for example, was a band that my friends didn't listen to because they weren't as technical and as like good as Metallica, according to them. Okay. And so, so I can really stomach Slayer. I like Slayer, <laughs> but most of it, and you know, and I like some kind. I like sort of like doomy, like sort of like very slow, you know, like uh, uh, Earth or Sleep and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which, which also, in in that sense, that becomes very much. The difference between, you know, Sleep and Miles Davis, Agartha or whatever is not that different, mm-hmm. you know, like in the end, like sonically, like I guess there's a lot more high pitch sounds in Miles Davis, but otherwise, you know, like I think the trance-like nature of it and the sort of like long repetitive, like mantra-ish thing works. Mm-hmm. But I, no, I'm not really, I mean, I like, and you know, I like Motorhead because everyone likes Motorhead, but uh, I don't. I've never really been able to rekindle that. And so my friend's favorite band when I was a teenager was Opeth, the mm-hmm. Swedish progressive metal band. And mm-hmm. that that I find truly like I cannot listen to it. To me it's that's really showing off and it's like you're listening to music, you're you're watching someone jerk off and I can't. Right. Or you're listening to someone jerk off and I find it very like I, I like I remember my friends going to see Opeth here in Montreal and going like it was so good it was almost the same as the record. And I was like, ugh, I, that's not interesting to me. <laughs> that's, you know. So, so is Prague uh, like a stumbling block for you? Um, a little bit, but I, that I've opened up to because of jazz too. Because then at some point, you know, like jazz fusion bleeds into Prague mm-hmm. very easily. But I, I can't stomach like Genesis or Gentle Jazz, like the Prague that's popular in Quebec, like the kind of like medieval like fairy tale music. <laughs> what, why, like, what is it you don't like about that? Um, I can't like latch on to it. Like to me, again, it just kind of feels like I'm listening to like a machine or or, like a music box or something. Like it it doesn't feel like humans are are making it. And 
is which it, is, is, doesn't Genesis have a, a song or an album called The Music Box and and a, and a Quebec-based oh, cover band of their yeah movie? The Musical Box I think okay. is the yeah you're right yeah I hadn't thought of that but yeah I, I made that like no but but and you know sometimes I can listen to uh, a, a little piece of Genesis and go like oh this is not bad you know uh, this is all right but I I really zone out immediately but then there are other prog bands that I do like like. Uh, gong you know the french band gong i don't i don't know them actually okay but they're more like the second it gets weirder i think i'm more into it but definitely easier for me to hear prog coming from a jazz perspective i think than it does from like this kind of weird like classical baroque like symphonic type of thing right yeah did yeah. you ever get into classical music i mean that's a whole other world of record not at all yeah not at all and that that's another i wish that like in university i took a class that was just called understanding music and i thought it was going to be like oh they're going to explain to me like what like a, like the structure of pop songs are and it was like listening to electroacoustic music in the dark and like kind of picking up on like the timbre of the, whatever it was very different from what i expected mm-hmm and so in that, when I was doing it, when I was on that class, we had to do field trips and like field reports and stuff. So I went to see a bunch of classical and electroacoustic music. And I was like, I, I see why people like this, but to again, I zone out completely with this, like uh, the yeah. classical kind of stuff. Like I like Steve Reich, but I guess that's not really classical. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's, you know, somewhat in that, in that world, however you yeah. define it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I also like Steve Reich, and I don't know why I, I mean, I guess because it's maybe it's minimal and it's easier, it's easier to, 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 as you say, latch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, at any rate, um, are there any other genres that you just like can't hang with? Um, I mean, there's a lot of like, just overplayed classic rock that I don't that I don't need to like, so I, at one point in, in a garage sale, I picked up, like I had all the Led Zeppelin records or like the first four, I guess. And I listened to them and I was like, you know what? I'm okay. Never hearing this ever again. And it's not because I don't like it or because it's not good. But to me, there's like a saturation to this that I'm like, don't really need this in my life. You know, without ever listening to Led Zeppelin, I heard enough Led Zeppelin that I don't need to ever listen to it again. And it's not, you know, it's, it's nothing against Led Zeppelin or anyone who likes them, but I, that kind of stuff, or Kiss, you know, I know you you like Kiss, but Kiss to me is like, it's instant, I turn it off instantly, I can't hear it, that, to me, I don't get it, and it sounds just like, it almost sounds to me like, a, like AI generated music, like there's no, no. Yeah, well, I'm sure that like, if Gene Simmons, like, could create an ai right. to, to write his songs for him he would do it in a second yeah um, yeah i i mean uh yeah it's true i like kiss and and they are quite hard to defend uh, in a lot of ways but i sometimes mm-hmm. wonder you know like if you as a as a thought experiment like if you put on it, you know i suppose you could see say this about any number of artists but like if I put on the, the the second Kiss record and was like, oh, check this obscure power pop band out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was recorded in the guy's basement and it's 
it was pressed in a limited edition of 50 or whatever. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not saying this about you necessarily, but I think yeah, yeah, that yeah. people <laughs> might just be like, whoa, there's some crazy cool tunes on here. What is this? this is... But then if you, but you're just like, actually, it's Kiss. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> it, would, it would be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I absolutely. can't help but wonder sometimes if that. And I think I'm fully guilty of that as well. Like, I think so. I think there's bands that I like that are that I like almost exclusively because they're more obscure than the same thing that is more popular. And oh, sure. and I think it has to do with maybe overplaying. You know, like I think it's it doesn't uh, justify it, but <laughs> like you know things like like uh, Rush or, or Led Zeppelin or like any kind of showmcore ACDC. You know. Mm-hmm. Is kind of like, well, I don't need to listen to this, but it's not because I don't like it, you know. And once in a while, I, you know, like I love Black Sabbath, for example. I think that's kind of overplayed in general and, you know, overboomered. But I still love it. Like if I put on Master of Reality, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm not listening to the whole thing. But like, <laughs> but you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of different. And I and I also definitely have like sort of a bias for. Um, uh place from other places you know like music like i'll i prefer prog from like europe even though it's, it sounds exactly like yes but because it doesn't come with the weird cultural baggage of yes for me you know like collegium musicum or whatever they're just like uh i think they're a czech band okay. i'm like oh this is pretty like this is pretty sick i enjoy this and then you hear it and it's like ah oh, it's just yes this is just the you know czech version of yes but I think there's a lot of cultural baggage to my aversions also. <laughs> sure. Just because I don't know anyone who, like, I don't know the kind of guy who listens to college and musicum, but I know the kind of guy who listens to General Giant. So, and so <laughs> that's the problem, you know. Do you have any theories on, like, why Prague, or, like, as you say, that kind of Prague is so popular in Quebec? Um, I would imagine it has to do with the lack of, uh, or I guess, I guess because you don't have to understand it to, to get it, it, you know, in the sense that it is kind of like classical music, like uh, to, to go back to, let's say like the Eastern Bloc in the 70s, um, because a lot of music was outlawed there, you know, you won't find a lot of bands that sound like T-Rex coming from Hungary, but there are tons of bands that sound like uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra or whatever. Okay. Because then they can kind of rock out and do rock things without lyrics and so they don't no one could look at this and go like this is anti-government this is right you know and so i think there's a kind of a similar thing in quebec in that because it was so like kind of this flowery medieval thing that it was apolitical then everyone could kind of enjoy it whereas even if the band was american or british you know i think even like diehard separatist Quebecois were kind of like, yeah, but this is about Mordor. This is not about, you know, Birmingham or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. I guess there's also like traditional music always had a pretty big foothold. Mm -hmm. So maybe just like the use of mandolins or, or whatever. Yeah. I think so. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Or harps might've played a, a, a part. It was very possible. Um, so, uh, what 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 have you taken away from like the experience of sharing your uh, your collection? Oh yeah, um, well it's interesting. Most of my friends who are not like music nerds or music fans 
I think they've muted me a long time ago. <laughs> I don't think they see any of my pictures anymore because, it, like, honestly, like, I get a lot of likes from just random, like, vinyl guys. There are all, a few girls, but mostly vinyl guys, you know, like, from Instagram. And then I have, like, maybe 10 friends who will sometimes like something when they recognize it. And then a lot of people will just tell me, like, I don't know what, I don't know what any of these records are. I don't know why you're putting, like, I'm so sick of seeing this, so I muted you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, fair enough. And I'll see it, like, <laughs> on days where I'm particularly, like, sort of, uh, I listen to a lot of records, and then I'll see, like, a friend, and they look at their Instagram just in my presence. It's all me. Like, it completely pollutes their feet. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess if, fair enough. You know, like, I'm, I don't take it personally that you've decided to, um but it is it it is an interesting thing in that like seeing because i'm certain that most of the likes that i get from people are when they recognize something and that's a a weird way of kind of seeing what people you know enjoy as music without talking to them about it Mm -hmm. so there are people that i don't know that well who will like you know like everything by whatever this band is and then i'm like oh i guess they're a fan of this band you know and i would never have thought to talk about it with them because that's not necessarily how we know each other or what we're you know the world that we inhabit so that's Mm -hmm. interesting you know but uh ultimately i think it's mostly been a way to waste some time (laughs) like the the sharing of it has been sort of it hasn't really uh hasn't really added anything to my life really like i'm kind of getting glad that it's almost over um hopefully it will happen so because it was supposed to be for the during the whole pandemic and now hopefully i'll be done before i get my second shot which is at the end of july so it's uh you know it's been a wild ride uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i kind of like partly like the pandemic itself i kind of can't wait for it to be over and yet i've taken away some very valuable uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> life lessons from it well, I'm, so I'm curious, like, to how you dealt with it, like, how, how you kind of approached it, because I know you would like and comment on some stuff sometimes, um, but did you ever, like, seeing, you know, like, a constant stream of, of records coming from, you know, essentially my, directly my brain to the internet, like, did you ever, were you ever thinking, like, oh, well, should, I should check this out, this seems interesting, or whatever, because I often wouldn't comment really anything about the records themselves. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that. Um, I mean, often I'll notice a really cool looking cover. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like in the, a bit in the nature of Instagram. Like, if there's anything I ever thought like, oh, I should check that out. I, I don't know if I actually did. Right. Like, I might have thought that and then forgotten about it. Because, you mm-hmm. know, sc- scrolling through the, the feed and then you know, yeah. you see that, then you scroll right. by something, you see something else. And uh, it's just kind of more part of like the tapestry mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, digital existence. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always curious because like, there's some, there's all, there's some things that I, that I used to like, there's some things that I, uh, that I sort of flirted with at one point. Like I saw that lately you've been posting a lot about the early Tom Waits records, mm-hmm. which I never got into. I only, I, not even because I don't like it. I just yeah. kind of like, I, I got ev- into everything from his like 
you know, whatever it is, like Frank's Wild Years. Yeah. Onwards. Swordfish like, Trombones, I think, is the first one. That's kind yeah, of like, yeah, that's right. Beef party, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though it's not really, but but kind mm-hmm. of, it's in that same kind of weirdo uh, genre. I mean, Bone Machine was the big mm-hmm. one for me, where like yeah. I think he actually like you know built an instrument which is just like him turning a wheel and a bunch of right. things yeah like, crick, 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 he crick, plays crick, it in a in a video i think right one of the music videos yeah where he's it's, wearing like welding glasses and stuff and yeah that's, so, that sounds right <laughs> and i sort of seemed to me like everything before then was just kind of building up to it and mm-hmm. everything since then is just kind of like repeating the same ground, yeah which is true of so many uh of so many artists Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, that's just one example. Where I was like, "Oh wow!" Like he's got all he's he's got all those early Tom Waits records, which I never got mm-hmm. into. Not even because I I heard it and didn't like it. it was just like for some reason, I just yeah. never went down that road. Well, that, that's a weird thing too. It's, so when I started uh, collecting records, my dad gave him all gave me all of his records, and so all those Tom Waits records were in there. Okay. Um, but I my dad never listens to Tom Waits, so I don't know where that like. I've never heard, I had never heard Tom Waits in, in the house, hmm. but somehow he had the, like a seven record run of Tom Waits records. So I'm not sure what happened there, but, um, that was a thing. So that's the kind of like a, the early records that I had was, you know, when I had 30 records, 10 of them were Tom Waits. So that certainly like <laughs> defined sort of, uh, you know, where it was going, but that's a, and another thing too, is it used to be really easy to find Tom Waits records. In record stores, especially those early ones, like they were five bucks. But now, good luck trying to find any of them, like anywhere. They're not, uh, they're not around anymore. Do you feel like uh, you've connected, like, w- with with a community of like collectors or? Um... A little bit, you know. Like, there's a few people that I'm, uh, like, not friends with, but record friends with. You know, in Montreal, like people that I know mainly from running into them at record stores or record conventions and sort of like um, without, you know, they're not not going to their weddings or anything, but, you know, we talk and stuff. But it's a very, it's an insular weird community of mainly like somewhat like socially awkward dudes. Uh (laughs) So it's not great. Like it's not somewhere that I really want to hang out, but there's, Uh you know. There's people who are very proud of collecting records, then either something that you should probably be wary of. Um, but it's always fun to talk to people about records. I, I enjoy it greatly, and I like going to record stores and like kind of shooting the shit with the record store people. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's a very kind of solo. Or I like, and I like going out, you know, to some place where I've never been before, where there are records with someone else. That it's nice to like do that as a pair, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, it's a very solitary sort of uh, a bit weird. I, I know it's not like that for everyone. I know, I think, you know, people who are older than me, because I, I came to it, like, kind of at the end of, I think the 90s was the, the heyday of, like, people finding all these records and, like, the community, people making beats and stuff like that. I think those people have a much more social connection to it that I do not. Like, I'm not very rarely dj'd i've very rarely sort of like been at like those kinds of things so for me i I still kind of exist on the outside of that Hmm. well 
I uh, I have really uh, enjoyed s- seeing you unfold your entire record collection <laughs> to the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm being honest, there are times when, as you said, like this is like five in a row. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> let's, let's move it along here, people. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, it's cool. As I, I it brings up all kinds of like fun kind of like you know thoughts about music and records and and my own collection Mm -hmm. and like i don't know as you say it's fun to it's fun to shoot the shit about about it so it's kind of like an extension of that yeah absolutely and i think you know for me honestly like it's just it's a a goal that i set myself that i wasn't gonna stop (laughs) you know because a few times where a few times where i was like i don't want to do this anymore and then pretty recently there was like a week where I didn't listen to any music because I was finishing up a contract and I was kind of like, I, you know, I wanted to do, yeah, whatever. I was in another mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I, I can't stop though. Even though I haven't listened to anything in a week, like I have to start again. You know, I can't stop because I have to get to go to the end of this because it's not like it's hard to do, but you do have to dedicate yourself to it, I guess. Um, but that's why, you know, I'm kind of glad it's going to be over. But now I am facing the idea of, like, how am I going to pick a record to listen to once I've listened to them all? You know what I mean? Like, now I have, I don't have to make a decision ever for the last 15 months. I just listen to whatever's next on deck. But now soon there will be no more deck. And that, that part, like, scares me. I don't know You'll what the You just have to do. get some more records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Alex, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show and, and talking. Oh, about thanks this. for having me. It's it's nice to catch up with you. Yeah, same here. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can find uh, Alex's uh, record collection project on his Instagram account. Why does it exist? You can also read his film and video reviews on Cult Montreal. And if you speak or understand the French language, you can listen to his film podcast, Les Voyeurs de Vue. Um, Well, it's that time of the podcast again when I remind you that you can always leave a review, give us a rating, or pass along the show to a friend, anyone you think might be interested I thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time for more What Is This Music? <laughs>